What's up, everybody? This is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast. Do me a huge favor, like and subscribe the podcast. Leave us that five-star rating. We would most definitely appreciate you doing so. Well, last night, where to begin? Oh, man, it was, it was tough. It was a tough game to watch. In a lot of ways, there was some there was positives in it for sure, mainly defensively. And the offense has just been I don't know what's going on, but we'll get into it here, right here, right now. So let's just start with the defense. Let's start with the good, shall we? Uh I was wrong. Let me admit first before we do that, I predicted the Texas victory. I thought being back home, uh Quinn Ewers would be yeah, the team plays so much better when they're at home. Figure after a bye week, playing at home, night game, stadium's going to be packed, place is going to be rocking. It's going to be a wonderful game for Texas. And I didn't think they would blow them out by any stretch, but I most certainly thought it would be a victory for Texas. I thought they would be able to do enough to win. I figured B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson were going to have huge games. thought Roshan would get a chance to throw a touchdown. That was my kind of Crazy out of left field prediction to throw a TD out of the Wildcat since he was a former quarterback in high school. But none of that happened offensively. So, yeah, I was wrong in the prediction, and I have to eat crow on that. But defensively, this was the best game I've seen Texas play on defense in I don't know how long. I mean, I don't see how you could sit here and say 14 tackles for loss, five sacks, and 3-0 at halftime against one of the more potent offenses in the country is not outstanding. Eight tackles for loss in TCU's first 18 plays on offense. Baron Sorrell was just, what, 11 tackles. I think he had a sack and a half in this game, number 88. Defensive lineman for Texas was all over the place. TCU couldn't get anything going. How many times did TCU have the ball and just could not move it, even on the Texas side of the field? Because Texas couldn't move the ball either. So I think it's insulting to say Texas played pretty good on defense. They played outstanding, absolutely outstanding. They gave up 17 points to a team that's been scoring how many per game? Yeah. So if you think they just played pretty good, as you use my air quotes here, you're just fooling yourself or you don't understand the game of football. And I don't mean to be rude, but honestly, if you see that defensive effort and think that was just pretty good, you honestly don't know what you're talking about. You're either a hater or you're just blind to good football on defense. So I don't see how you can say it was just pretty good by any means. But, hey, some people have their opinion, and that is fine. They can be wrong, and we'll move on. <laughs> but, yeah, defensively, Texas played outstanding. They 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 held TCU in check. They were getting sacks. They were getting the quarterback. Max Duggan, whatever Heisman Trophy uh, hype or whatever he had is gone. Kiss it goodbye. It's not happening. Don't entertain it anymore. Should he have been in the discussion? For sure. Most definitely. But now, after this game, absolutely not. He will not be in the discussion. He will not go to New York. And this was a game on a big stage for him to go out there, light it up like he did against OU or somebody like that, making big plays, running for touchdowns. None of that happened. Very, very little happened positive for TCU outside of that big run on offense in the third quarter where the linebacker got lost in the shuffle. Hey, give them credit. They made a few plays, a few more than Texas. So, again, 
With, I mean, and here, I'll say this. I'm all for TCU getting a shot at the playoff. Again, after this performance, see, this is the this is the thing I always run into. <laughs> like, me being a Dallas Cowboy fan, diehard fan, I hear incessantly, I see it online, when I talk to people, all I hear is the 90s Cowboys weren't that good. Somehow they're dominant. Somehow, according to people that played, or people who played, who are in the Hall of Fame, talk about playing against those Cowboys teams, say how great they were. To your average idiot on the internet that doesn't know anything, those people will say, well, Troy Aikman was no good. But he was only decent because he had Michael Irvin to throw to and Emma Smith to hand off to. And then the same people will say, well, Michael Irvin was not that great because he had Troy Aikman throwing the ball and he had Emmett Smith taking the pressure off of him because everybody was trying to stack the box. Okay? And then you'll hear the same thing about Emmett Smith. Well, he had the greatest offensive line in history if you really break it down and look where all those guys came from. We're talking about mid-round picks. We're talking about guys from other teams that were cast-offs. Guys that were drafted to play defensive line, that played offensive line. Guys that got cut from the USFL. Guys that were undersized and played center that never played center before. Yeah, the greatest offensive line is basically a bunch of cast-offs, guys from no-name schools, or guys that got cut from the league that got, you know, that went out of business after, what, two years? So my point is, Emmett Smith had the greatest line, yet somehow, if you look at Emmett Smith's career, he put up numbers in high school, he put numbers up in college, and he put numbers up in the NFL. Emmett Smith was ultra-productive at every level. But Emmett was only good because he had this offensive line and Troy had been throwing the ball to guys like Mike Fleur. Well, you can't suck and be great at the same time is my whole point when I'm bringing you back to. So Troy Aikman's either great or he's a bum. Emmett Smith is either great or he's a bum. Michael Irvin's either great or he's a bum. They can't be both. All these guys can't be below average players and somehow win three Super Bowls in four years. See what I'm getting at? <laughs> so my point is you can't suck and be good at the same time. I never hear everybody say, well, Joe Montana was no good because he had Bill Walsh, who was one of the greatest coaches ever, and a guy named Jerry Rice to throw the ball to for a good portion of his career. I never hear that about Joe Montana. But Troy Aikman, oh, my God. Oh, geez. He was just, you know, he's lucky. He lucked his way into that career. It just blows my mind. So my point is, bring it back to this Texas team and TCU. You can't sit here and bash Texas and say they're overrated and say they're no good and all this, despite all these numbers that I just said defensively that just proves you're absolutely wrong and you have no clue what you're talking about. If TCU can't do this against a, a Texas team, here we go with the air quotes again, that is all these negative things that you love to say, what's going to happen when they get to the college football playoff? Because Texas isn't college football playoff good, right? Well, neither is TCU. TCU plays like that offensively against, gee, I don't know, Ohio State or Michigan or Georgia or any whoever the Oregon, hell, they lost last night, but Oregon would probably blow TCU's doors off as well. TCU gets to the college football playoff, and I guarantee it, sure as I'm sitting here right now, they are going to get embarrassed because Texas, who shut them down offensively, right? Texas is a bum. Texas is no good. But Texas shut them down offensively. 14 tackles for loss, five sacks, only three points at the half, eight tackles for loss in the first 18 plays for TCU's uh, offense. So if you do all these things against Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, whoever makes it, whoever the TCU somehow meanders to get through this thing and keeps winning and gets to the playoff, they're going to get flat out embarrassed. I'll go ahead and tell you now. Take the over and take whatever the spread is when TCU gets to that playoff because it will get covered and it will be covered probably before halftime. So just saying, just saying. Texas can't be horrible 
and then TCU be so great at the same time. It's like, well, which one is it? Maybe TCU is not as good as we thought they were. Or you got to give Texas defense some credit. So you tell me. <sighs> okay. Here we go with the offense. What I was thinking, what I was foreseeing, what I said I thought what would happen, give Bijan 25 carries, give Roshan 15 carries, play action as needed, maybe hit a deep shot if you can. None of that happened. Steve Sarkeesian got out-coached. He got out-steamed. He looked lost. I don't know what is the deal with this deep ball and this infatuation that they keep throwing it. It does not work. It hasn't worked. I don't know when it – I don't know. I don't have the – I. <laughs> I'd have to crunch all the numbers and watch every single play of the season again and chart how many of these deep throws to Worthy where he's been targeted. Because, again, he was targeted again 12 times last night for 32 yards. That's it. First play, what was the first series Texas had the ball? Worthy's open. Kirk Herbstreit even noted it. Ewers had that extra hitch, and he threw it just a little late. Worthy's open. Throw it. See it. Throw it. He didn't do it. Gets broken up, almost picked off. Quinn Ewers has been absolutely terrible the last month. He hasn't looked good since the OU game, and that was, what, a month ago? I don't know how else to say it. There's there's no sunshine and rainbows here when it comes to Quinn Ewers and the way he's been playing. It, it's just, I mean, I have another stat here. Texas, the last two seasons, is 0-6 throwing it 34 times a game, 34 or more times a game. Obviously, that means running game, either they're getting away from the running game or they're getting, I don't know. But I, I hearken back to that OU game. How much motion did we see offensively? We had guys coming in motion. You had Keelan Robinson coming in, coming back out. He caught a play where he slipped in the backfield and he ran. He still caught it almost scored. I mean, Ewers was making perfect throws. I mean, to TD to Sanders in between two OU defenders uh, right on the hash. Or just outside the numbers, basically. I mean, Ewers was amazing in that game. He made some big league throws, some big boy type of throws in that game. He hasn't done it since. I honestly don't know. I, I keep reading, well, his maybe I saw something with Joe Klatt, a tweet that he had last night that he got his uh, he needs to fix his footwork. Well, I never played quarterback, so I have to kind of go off the guys that did. I don't know if it's just simply footwork. Oh, by the way, if Steve Sarkeesian is this great offensive coach, then why isn't he doing anything? And there's another thought. Oh, it's just Yours is obviously not seeing the field. Bijan, 12 carries, zero targets in the passing game. When Bijan was wide open on that wheel route for a touchdown, and he dropped, and Ewers dropped it off to Sanders, who's on the same side of the field, the left side of the field. And there's a busted coverage, and you don't hit your best player in the end zone for an easy touchdown. At that point, right at then and there, I was like, this game's over. If you're missing plays like that at quarterback, you need to bench yours. I was screaming about it last night. Is If Hudson Card's not the guy, I get it. If you don't think he's near the starter in long term. But right here and right now, are you trying to win a football game? you got to put him in. Dabo Sweeney did it in Clemson a few weeks ago, but in a true freshman from the Boston, Texas area. And Cade Klubnick gave them a spark and beat Syracuse, a tough Syracuse team at home. West Virginia, who stinks. JT Daniels, who I said on here weeks ago in Texas before that game, is vastly overrated. If you got this kid, Green, I believe is his last name, the more of a scrambling kind of guy, quarterback for West Virginia, <laughs> well, Hudson Card's more of a dual threat guy. 
Bring a guy like that in. If everybody's keeping on keeping keying on Bijan or Roshan, and you're going to run these zone plays, then fake the handoff and take it up the up the up the other side. Get you a few easy yards. Play action off of that. Do something, anything. But I I, I can't. I, I refuse to listen to this with viewers as a freshman. He's playing terrible, maybe because it is he's a freshman. But you got if he's getting you six quarters with no touchdowns, six quarters, the last six quarters that Texas has played offensively of zero touchdowns, their last 18 drives have given you six points offensively. Yesterday, there were one of 13 on third down. There's nothing you can spend. There's nothing you can say that, oh, man, TCU's defense is playing lights out. They're not that great. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. I mean, I don't want to just totally discount TCU, but their defense is not exactly the 85 Bears here. A lot of these guys came from the transfer portal from guys from places like Louisiana Monroe, the Naval Academy. This team was not good last year with the first-year head coach, and you're playing at home? Come on now. Sark was just terrible. I don't know what they saw on film. There, were, It didn't seem like there was any creativity to get guys open. You can see plays where Sark and the offensive scheme guys open and it is beautiful, it looks great, and it's executed, and it's wonderful. None of that happened last night. There was no, there was hardly any pre-stab motion. Maybe just put one guy on the other side and up, but it just did not seem like there was any creativity. And again, Sark just refuses to get away from certain things. And if we circle in on yours, uh, these are the last four games. His QBR is 57.5. That's not good. That's including games under 40, 39.5, and 21 last night. 214 yards a game passing, seven TDs, four interceptions, 51% completion percentage. Iowa State was the last game that Quinn Ewers in Texas had a touchdown in the second half. Xavier Worthy on that little jump route, whatever you want to call it, juke route. I'm not sure what this uh, proper term is. Everybody calls it something different. But he went in, went out, and he was just easy pitch and catch, which gave Texas a lead, which helped them, which obviously helped Texas win the game. But 17 to 26, 19 to 49, 18 to 31, 17 to 39. So we have games where you're throwing almost 50 times, almost 40 times, and over 30. I mean, K-State, they were able to run the ball great, so you'll take that. An 86 QBR, 58% completion percentage, no turnovers. So you'll take that all the day, all day, every day from a quarterback. If you're running the ball like you were with Bijan and uh, everybody, then I, I, I'll take those numbers from a quarterback. But overall, Quinn Ewers is just – he's been looking terrible. There's no other way to put it. There's no nice way to put a bow on this. I wish there was. I try to be as optimistic as I can, but this I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm upset because if you you Sarkeesian, what he's doing is not working. Him calling the plays and being the head coach needs to stop. Somebody else needs to call the plays. He needs to just focus on being the head coach. Sorry, that's the only way these things work. Pretty much in college football, very, very, very rarely do coach do you see head coaches who do both and is successful. Look at all the ones that are successful here lately. Who's won a bunch of championships the last 10 years? Nick Saban doesn't call plays. Dabo Sweeney doesn't call plays. Kirby Smart 
doesn't call plays. So if you're trying to get to that level, then you need to change what you're doing and you need to realize what's working and what's not working. And these deep balls, for the love of God and everything holy, stop calling them. It's not working. And I could understand with um, I mean, I can understand the podcast I do with my buddy who's the former Longhorn football player. He said, well, if you get that matchup with Worthy outside one-on-one, you got to take it. Yeah, I get that to a point, but when it hasn't worked and it's probably, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe 10% completion, if that, that might be being a little generous. And that, that that's just terrible. But, yeah, Texas just, I don't know. And the crazy thing is they still have a shot at the Big 12 championship. They need a lot of help. Kansas State, I believe their next two games are – Let's see. They played Baylor last night, 31-3. Baylor's a fraud. I've been saying that for so long. They're just not. They're just not that great of a team. They had a lot of hype at the beginning of the year, but honestly, I I just haven't believed in Baylor in a while. So Kansas State has to go on the road to a West Virginia team. If the other quarterback is playing, Green, the kid who's the more scrambling kind of guy, West Virginia's got a good shot. If they put in GT Daniels, it's a guaranteed win for Kansas State. And then they have the rivalry game at home against Kansas. Again, Kansas came crashing down. For anybody that was hyping up earlier in the year, it was just beyond me. It was cute. It was funny. But it's Kansas football. Like, let's not go crazy here and think that they're better than everybody in the Big 12. That, that's just insane. So they had a nice run. They had college game day. Things were cool for a minute. But reality is set in. And where's Kansas at now? You know what I mean? Like, they're – what is Kansas? Six and four? Yeah, they're ball eligible, good for them. And Texas has to go up there and play there next weekend. And what's the quarterback? Bean for K-State, excuse me, Kansas. I mean, they've got some good players in Kansas. I mean, as there's, I don't see a spread or anything here just yet. But you know, as I look at this in ESPN's matchup profiler, it's giving 77% Texas to win the game. Texas was favored by seven in this one against TCU, even though they were facing the number four team in the country. So, I don't know. I mean, last year was last year. All we can go on is what we've seen this year and what's going on and uh, what's happening. So, basically, uh, I mean, I want to I want to say Texas is going to win. But it's on the road. And it's I don't care who they played this weekend. It wouldn't matter whoever they're playing. It's on the road. After this performance, if if Sarkeesian is going to be just ultimately stubborn and stick a square peg in a round hole and keep viewers in there and keep throwing it, chucking it deep when it's not happening, when Worthy's double covered, or keep viewers when that last pass, uh, when you try to force it to, I believe a couple times in the red zone, to Sanders where everybody knows he's going to throw it to Sanders. He's comfortable throwing it to Sanders in that situation. He's a big guy, big body, about 6'4", 245. So, yeah, it makes sense. But when three, you know, purple and white jerseys are around him, you might not want to throw it to that guy. But, I mean, Hudson Card, if if Sarkeesian, I would love to be in that room to ask Sarkeesian some questions myself. why? What the insistence on the deep ball? The insistence on keeping Quinn, Quinn Ewers in there? Because if you look at last year, 
Casey Thompson got benched. Hudson Card got benched. I mean, he's made Hudson Card the starter. He looked great week one. He got benched at Arkansas. Casey Thompson got benched. Like, quarterback was like, you know, musical chairs last year for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. And now he's just like, well, this is our guy. We're going to keep him in here no matter what. This is our, you know, I, I, I admire that to some point. But the reality is he's not getting it done. He's not looking good. You're going on the road to play a better Kansas team than they've been in years past. It's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a tough game. It is. It's on the road. Texas is 6-4, and four, like I said. Their goals of getting to the Big 12 championship are still somewhat there. If Kansas State loses one of these last games or whatever, and Texas wins their last two, they still got a shot. That's what I've been saying this whole time. We got taken week by week. Beat Kansas State, great. Go to TCU, and it just looks terrible on offense. And You waste a, probably the best defensive effort you've had at, at, on a Texas Longhorns team in a, in a single game Then I don't know how long. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But if the Texas defense can keep playing like this, and if the offense just gives them something, and I'm not saying Hudson Card's, you know, the long-term answer or whatever, but he's he can't be as bad. He cannot as yours has been. I, I mean, if, if we're going to use this whole yours as a freshman and he's young and this, that, and the other, like, I, it's just – there's only so much of that I can tolerate. It's it's mid-November. He's played a lot of football. He hasn't played the whole season. He missed a couple of games, obviously. And this whole, well, he looked great in that one quarter against Alabama. That that really doesn't matter anymore. I could care less, and that really doesn't need to be brought up anymore, to be honest. So if yours isn't getting it done, he needs to get benched and benched in a hurry. Now, does he say bench for the entire game? I don't know. But if he goes out there ineffective and he's throwing these deep balls and he's hitting nothing but turf or he's getting picked off because he's overthrowing, I think I saw a stat last night. He had 11 overthrows last night. 11. I don't know how that happens. I, I don't know. But I can't accept it anymore. I need to see something. I need to see the offense execute better. And if that's with Hudson Card, then so be it. I'm sure the players at this point could care less who the quarterback is as long as they get in the game and they move the ball and they score. I know those guys on defense don't care who the quarterback is. Are you getting? Are you moving the ball or are you scoring points? Because we're not giving up anything on our side of the, on the equation, right? Their side of the ball, they're doing everything they're supposed to. So it's hard to point the dirty end of the stick of the defense, which I know I have and other people have throughout the season mainly Oklahoma State game. So it's it, the Texas defense looked phenomenal last night. And it is a shame Jade Barron, who I criticized heavily for trying to rip the ball out for 30 yards while the guy just kept running down the field instead of tackling and bring him to the ground, had a great game. Uh, Texas special teams, I believe they had like got a, got a hand on a field goal, which, you know, keeping points off the board. Offense, okay, do your part. <laughs> Defense gets a touchdown, gets you back in the game. So, again, the defense, it, it was a valiant effort, a fantastic effort, and it got wasted. And going up to Kansas to play a better Kansas team, I'm not going to say a great Kansas team because they're not. They're better than they have been. But when you've been terrible, got awful for I don't know how long, then obviously this is an improvement from what they've been pretty much the last 10, 12 years almost. So 
give them credit. They've got some decent players on that team. They've got a good coach. They're going to be all fired up and jacked up for this game. They beat Texas last year. Um, I think they would love nothing more than to just ruin Texas's season. And I say ruin by like having this happen two years in a row. And at this point, I don't know if Texas is, I have no idea what their mindset is. On paper, they should win this game. No problem. Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Xavier Worthy, Chitavian Sanders, offensively, like offensive line. Like, I doubt there's anybody on that Kansas roster that had a full, that had a scholarship offer from Texas and Kansas. And he was sitting there thinking and debating, who should I choose? And he ended up going with Kansas. Probably not one on that roster. So, top to bottom, Texas has got better players on paper. Now, can they go out there and prove it? I don't know. At this point, I don't know what to expect from this team. And I want to see good. I want to see them look better. There's still a shot at the Big 12 championship game. And again, with these temperative expectations that I've been talking about all year, Texas is what? Six and four. Last year, they didn't go to a bowl game, so they have got better. They've made a slight improvement. Can they finish this thing out and go? Can they beat Kansas and then beat Baylor at home after Thanksgiving? You get to a bowl game, that's potentially a nine-win season from a five-win season. Now, let's say they drop one of these last two games to whoever, Kansas or Baylor, then that makes them six and five. And then they go seven and five, they go to a bowl game, eight and five. So you go from five and seven to eight and five. That's improvement. That's going in the right direction, but there's still a lot of things to do that they need to get better at. So but that's, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here and we'll see how these things shake out. But I mean, as far as if I'm making a prediction right here, right now, I don't know what to expect. I, I honestly, I don't think I can make an accurate prediction because Texas is just so, you never know what you're going to get week to week. Defensively is great. Offensively, just horrible. Defensively, holes in the secondary and guys wide open. I mean, other than the one play they had where they left uh, the receiver open for TCU they in the one long run, that's pretty much all TCU did all night until the very end where they were just running it right at him and killing the clock. So, if Texas can bring that effort defensively again, if they can, if Hudson Card has to give them a spark, and I hope and pray and wish that somehow that's what happens, um, they should be able to beat Kansas. They should. Now, as far as the score, I don't know. We'll give a prediction, but we'll just say Texas wins it ugly and gets the win, however it takes, however it happens. And we'll just go from there. So <laughs> that's all I can do. That's all I can say. I'm not sure where else I can go with this. Because last night was tough and frustrating. Again, national stage, a big recruiting weekend. Had so many recruits in the house. And I don't know. There's only there's one of two ways of looking at it. If you're a defensive recruit, you're like, okay, yeah, this defense would be, you know, I can't wait to be a part of that. Offensively, you might say, well, that looks pretty bad. I don't know if Sark's the guy. Or you can go, hey, I can come in and start. I could help this team offensively. Outside of Xavier Worthy, Jordan Winnington will be gone after this year. Isaiah Nayor is coming off from ACL. You know what you're going to get from him. So Jatavian Sanders is probably your top guy coming back offensively uh, as a pass catcher. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Worthy as well. But if, if him and yours can't get on the same page, there's room. There's places to, you know, there's spots to be had if you're an offensive recruit. So. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the fallout of what they said or what the reaction was or anything, but we'll see. And uh, it'll be a tough one this weekend. It's not going to be an easy game. Uh, it's, yeah. 
I don't know. This is, Texas is at a crossroads of the season, and how they how they react and how they play this weekend is going to tell us a lot what they are, what they have inside that locker room. And, you know, we'll see you next Saturday, so we'll find out. So that's it for this one. This has been the Bevo Broadcast. My name is Greg Shinos. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, please leave us that five-star rating and like and subscribe to the podcast. That would be very cool if you did so. And thank you if you've done that already. So that's it for this one, and I will talk to you again soon.